0: I want to welcome you to Providence Road. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And if you're a guest with us, we are honored and and, uh, glad that you've chosen to join us this morning. I'm kind of like Jay mentioned, this is a little bit of a a hard turn um, into into the sermon today um, where we're continuing on uh, talking about anxiety. We have today and then next week will be um, our final week, and then we'll jump into our new series in two weeks, and I'll share more about that next week. But I, I, it's appropriate that, uh, like Jay said, like we, we don't grieve um, as those who have no hope. And the reason we have hope is because of what we see in the scriptures and the person and work of Jesus. And so like we do every week, we're going to exalt him this morning. We're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to exalt Jesus. And I pray that he would comfort those who need to be comforted through his word this morning. So let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. Father, we're, we just want to <clears throat> come before you and, and, and recognize that uh, for many of us right now, things are, uh, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of wrestling, and there's a lot of um, asking why. And we don't have those answers because you're the creator and we're the creation, and we weren't meant to know all of those things that, are only, um, that only come from you. But what we do know is we know you're a comforter through your spirit and son, and we know um, we have hope in your son. And I pray that we cling to those two truths right now as we um, support one another, support the Wilkins family, and um, work through this day by day over the next um, coming days and weeks ahead of us. As we open the text this morning, I ask that you would change us, that that we would put ourselves under your word, that we would allow your word to change our minds and change our hearts and change the way we live when we leave this place. And above everything else, I pray that your son is exalted this morning. That he's the hero of the story. He's the one we point to for our freedom and joy. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we couldn't do a series on anxiety without talking about the topic of of this this, um, overwhelming amount of news and information that we're constantly bombarded with. This this digital age that we find ourselves in that seems to be full of landmines and triggers for us as we try to live a non-anxious, peaceful life. And we are just coming off, not too long ago, obviously the year 2020, that gives us this incredible real-life, unfortunately, case study of this whole idea. Um, Even on like steroids, right? Even mentioning the year 2020 just makes us start being anxious and sweating. And there's PTSD involved there with all that happened in 2020. You have the big things like COVID-19. You have uh, one of the most contentious presidential elections in our country's history. You have racial um, violence and racial uh, disagreement. And you had all sorts of other things. You had refugee crises all over the world in that year. And those things are the, the big things, right? Those are the big things that, that probably should produce a little bit of, 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 of fear and worry and, and trying to figure this out, right? But it's not just those things that send us into a spiral when it comes to anxiety. It's all the other things that seem to happen that year as well, right? That we kind of latch onto and we're like, here we go again. One more thing that I have to get wrapped around that I'm not going to be able to focus on. We have things like the Pentagon released ufo videos for the first time in a long time like could we not just wait a year right to do this probably not a good time to do this you start seeing these things called monoliths popping up all over the world in random places i don't know if you remember this like these these tall like tower like structures that would kind of appear in in really weird random places nobody ever saw them being built nobody knew what they was for nobody was like claiming credit for them for a while finally it came out that they were like research stations for the climate or something but for a while it was like okay ufos we have these weird monoliths being erected everywhere it's 2020 what in the world is going on right you had a near miss of an asteroid that year that was headed to earth one of the closest um that's come in a while you had um, i just found this i don't remember this one but the most venomous caterpillar ever in the u.s was found in texas that year It's like, okay, Um, yeah, you have Subway. We figured out that Subway, the bread really wasn't bread. I don't know if that was breaking news, right? Like, um, it maybe wasn't bread that they were giving us at Subway. But I think for me, the one that was like laugh, kind of laughable, like, are you kidding me? Was, I I can't, it was later in the year, we were exhausted. It was like, there's some big things going on. I don't need like trivial stuff right now to send me in it to an anxious tizzy but you had the murder hornet you remember the murder hornet like like a name it just like why why do we have to give it that name and that's not the scientific name but somebody just named it that online and it and it took off right because this this hornet was coming from asia right came from asia and they called it the murder hornet because it was it was going into these beehives and wiping out whole beehives like very quickly And it was doing that by decapitating the bees, hence murder hornet, right? And so, on top of everything, we have to worry about this insect now that has murder in its title, right? One other thing to worry about, And, and, and really all kidding aside, like these things do harm to us, right? We 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 read the news, often negative news, right? And we we try to find information to make good decisions and we're overwhelmed with the amount of information that's at our fingertips so we become anxious and i think there's three reasons why we become anxious in these moments right kind of on the surface right the first thing is when something negative happens in the world we want to do something tangible to solve that problem so when we're constantly given news we feel like i need to do something i should do something this is awful and even if it's halfway around the world and you can do nothing that directly will affect that thing. We still feel anxious about it because we know about it and we see it, and our, our 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 humanity can't take it without wanting to do something about it. The second reason that we hear something that threatens our safety or threatens our way of life, our comfort, right? And p- uh, politics are the worst at this, right? Politicians, um, you know, campaigns will will play on our fears. We're playing our fears of security, our fears of comfort, our way of life to get us t- to be on their team and to vote for them. And so when we hear negative things, awfully, oftentimes slanted, we begin becoming scared. And we feel like we need to do something in that moment because we're anxious. And the third reason why is just we have too much information. Like we want to make good, wise choices in whatever issue we're facing. And so we have this... Um, infinite amount of information to us and it's paralyzing to figure out where do we start like where do we start in trying to figure out the information we saw that uh, clearly in 2020 at the beginning of COVID right like we had something that hasn't happened in decades and generations in our country that everyone's trying to figure out and we have people who are who are are professionals and we have people who are non-professionals all kind of sharing the information in the same place And we're trying to get information from the right people to make informed decisions, wise decisions, and we can't do it. We can't tell what's real, what's fake. We can't tell who has an agenda, who doesn't have an agenda. So we're overwhelmed with information. It could be that or even just Googling parenting, like Nicole and I and parenting stuff. It's like, how do we do X, Y, and Z? You'll get some opinions when you start throwing out parenting questions online, right? Or like read a book, right? The first few pages is going to disagree with the other five books on the same topic. And then you're like, what in the world do I do? Right? I don't know what to do. How do I make them sleep? Here's the five ways you can make them sleep, and they're all contradictory to one another. Go for it. Right? I mean, that's, that's what it feels like parenting in this day and age. A few weeks ago, we talked about this word anxious, like the, the literal word when we see anxious in the scriptures, especially in Luke 11 when you have... Uh, Martha and Mary, and Jesus tells Martha, you're, Mary's choosing the right thing. You're choosing the wrong thing. You're busy and you're anxious about many things, but Mary is kind of doing what's right here. And then in Philippians 4, 6, when Paul says in that famous passage, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Like Those two like, trans, words translated for anxious in those spots are literally the same word, and it means divided into parts or to go to pieces. And there's something about anxiety that pulls us apart or makes us fragmented on the inside, like pixelated almost, if you use um, terms of of imagery in in that way. Fragmentation can lead to anxiety, and anxiety can lead to fragmentation. And so if that is really what anxiety is when the scriptures speak of it, we could say the opposite of that is wholeness. It's single-mindedness its ability to be grounded and kind of stay together when f- external fa- kind of factors and forces try to pull us apart and make us anxious. And, there, and there's no better source of that to make us anxious and kind of pull us apart on the ins- inside than our current 24-hour news cycle. Right? Humanity, human beings were not meant to bear the weight of the news, oftentimes bad, for 8 billion people on the planet. But now, on our phones, we can get news, any kind of news, anytime, anywhere, in a drop of a hat. And so we're we're not meant to take in all this negativity in news. We weren't built for that. Even 20 years ago, to find out something that was going on kind of outside of your state, local news, right, 5 o'clock from 5 to 5.30, right, that's how you found your local news. Global news, 5.30 to 6 o'clock. And then they only, had, they only had enough time to focus on a few things in that time slot. And they weren't giving opinions on those things. These weren't like talking heads. They were just reporting the news. And you had a few things that you had to like wrestle with and maybe make judgments about as you intake that news. Maybe if you were patient, you had to wait for the next day to read the newspaper. But again, limited newspaper. It's this like thing. It's like really kind of thin paper for those of you in this room. Right? You open it up and you read, right? Like it, it's something you had to wait for. Right? You had to wait to do it. And even then, there was a limited amount of space for people to, to, to share news. Right? And then fast forward just 20 years ahead of time, we have news coming at us from all different sides at the same time. And we weren't built for it as human beings. God didn't design us to carry that weight. And my, my fear is, is, is when we get anxious about these things, it takes us down paths that none of us really want to go down. Like, the first response I often see is just, let's just bury our heads. Like, let's just not watch the news. I'm not following it. I'm shutting everything off. I prefer not to know what exists out there than know what's coming, right? I don't blame you for doing that. But what that can rob you of is really understanding what's going on in the world and living the life that God's called you to live and ministering to people and being the hands and feet of Jesus in different places and and using your gifts and those kinds of things. Another route that I see people go is just becoming completely consumed by it, almost paralyzed with just the amount, again, the amount of information and negativity to the point that you just don't know what to do. Right? It's like you're like catatonic; you can't focus on anything else because that one piece of bad news just keeps rotating in your head over and over and over, and you keep digging yourself a deeper and deeper rut of anxiety. Then I think to deal with that kind of being consumed by it, um, many of you. We'll find other people who are anxious about the same thing. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. And you'll create this kind of herd of people, this herd of menta- this herd mentality, this tribe that is all anxious about the same thing. And it feels good because you're able to share that anxiety. You're able to kind of say, oh, I know what you're going through. But it doesn't really solve the problem in what you're looking for. Because that anxiety just spreads and it's amplified throughout relationships. Take, <clears throat> take politics, for example. We have a political cycle coming up, so it's important for us to be prepared for how we're going to deal with this when it comes, right? So often when we're ang- anxious about an issue or something about politics or wanting the world to change in a specific area, right, we have an anxiety. And our first instinct is to offload that onto someone else. And really we want to find a leader who can do something about it. Right, want to find a leader, someone in power to say, Take my anxiety, take it away from me because I think you have. So we align ourselves with leaders and then we give them our anxiety because we think they can make the decisions. Right, this could happen with the president, it could happen with your boss in your company, it could happen with a pastor in a church. Right, we want you to make the decision for us, and, and here's kind of why we need you to make the decision for us. And if we can't find someone, power or a leader to offload that into, again, we'll find a group of people that agrees with us. And we'll align ourselves with that group of people because it feels good in that moment. There's some truth to that. There's some community there. There's relational kind of, uh, we see each other, we see eye to eye on some things. But here's what happens. To everyone else, because there's so much anxiety and there becomes an identity formed around that, everyone else who disagree with you, disagrees with you, you look down upon. Or at worst, you demonize them as not having the right answer or not going the right way and then so this has become this identity and then when that that and then we're just talking about one issue here maybe in the political spectrum and now you talk about all the issues that could come up politically and now you feel like you have this decision i don't know if i agree with everything with my herd or my tribe and so do i break ranks with them and actually form my own opinion about these but we know the pain that could cause and even the anxiety that produces so we're just going to stay in here and kind of just say, we're going to agree with everything this specific group affirms and not on this group, right? And we become less objective. We become subjective. We let other people kind of interpret the, the, the events and the facts of the world rather than interpreting those ourselves. And worse off, we just kind of move the Bible aside when we get wrapped up in this and think, we don't go to the Bible think, what does the Bible actually say about this thing? Not what the party says, not what the group says, but what does the Bible have to say? Issue by issue, and if that puts you somewhere in the middle, then you got to be somewhere in the middle. right? And I think we have to be faithful to the scriptures in that way. But anxiety doesn't allow us to do that. It makes it so hard to think objectively, because we're kind of caught up in this, and we, we want it to make it go away as quick as possible. And getting with the tribe, grouping up is the quickest way to do that, although long term it just produces more anxiety anger and grief and hate for other people who don't agree with you and then over time i think the months and years go by and you start to realize man i have more identity in this particular group of people than the body of christ than the local church than the people that the scriptures call us to love and lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in christ in the local church and here's the thing about this i think we know this right this isn't going away like our, our, our information digital age, it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse, right? Like companies, most news companies make money on clicks and on eyeballs watching screens. So what's the best way to get clicks and eyeballs watching screens? Make the news crazy. Make the head headlines reactive. Play into fear. Play into you're going to get your comfort taken away. Those people are going to rob you of this or that. They're not going to make money on being wise and measured Take their time and being balanced, and let other people forming their opinion for themselves. That's not what sells. So this is not getting better. Our world is more connected than ever, which is a good thing in a lot of ways. But because of that, we just weren't meant to bear the weight and that the anxiety that it produces from person to person, trying to carry this weight upon ourselves. So here's the questions we I want to wrestle with in this text today: What do we do when we hear news we can't do anything about? Look, what do we do about that in the moment? What do we do when over-sensationalized headlines send us into a tailspin? What do we do? What do we do when we are given so much information about whatever we're looking for that we can't react? We can't make a decision. We can't make a wise decision because we're so paralyzed. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm really glad you're here this morning. And I would just challenge you... To wrestle with, what do you do? Like, what's your foundation? Because you know all this is true that I've said so far, I think. Like, you can feel it. Like, where's your foundation? Where do you go for truth? Where do you go for, like, the the facts, the reality in any given situation? It's a challenge, I think, outside of a relationship with God and the scriptures. I think it's challenging to get there. And there are two specific characteristics or qualities of God, about God, that I want to look at to address all of this this morning. And Psalm 121, I think, gets us there. So we're going to look at Psalm 21. just walk, 121, walk through it. And the psalmist helps us, I think, in, in talking about these two characteristics of God this morning. Okay? So let's look at verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And I want to pause right there. So this is in what is called the, song of a, the, the Psalms of sense. It's like a book of psalms. And these were read as a part of the liturgy as the people of God were going up to worship, right? This was when they were going up, when they were finishing worship. This is kind of a, as they were moving up to the temple to worship, they would sing these songs, okay? And so they're, they're looking to God here. They're looking in the midst of the, 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 the place where they live. They want safety. They want comfort, right? And then he, they, 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 he says the statement, For where does my help come from? And that's rhetorical. right? He's going to answer that. My help comes from the Lord. And you can almost say why. And he gives us that in that next, uh, the second half of verse 2. Who made heaven and earth? He takes comfort. He takes solace. He takes security in the fact that his help comes from the Lord, the one who has made heaven and earth who makes everything we see, who's involved in every piece of news that we come across or can hear, who knows, who knows truth from fiction, this is the one we serve. This is the one we call God. Colossians 1, 15 through 18, Paul kind of echoes this in this great passage that I want to read about God's sovereignty and providence. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Talking about Jesus, right? Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he didn't just make everything. He's actually holding everything together through Jesus. Everything we see in the world, every atom of our universe is held together by God. And Jesus is involved with that in this passage, Paul says, in verse 18, and speaking of Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So when the psalmist says, the maker of heaven and earth, this is what he's thinking about. He's thinking about all the things God's involved with. He didn't just make it the world and step back, and it's just kind of like, it's chaos now for us to figure out. No, he's as involved now as he was at creation. Every single thing. So the first thing we see, the first truth or idea, is his sovereignty. God is sovereign. He is providentially holding the world together and he knows every piece of news, data, information that we're going to come across, he knows it already. Look at verse 3. I want to walk through this and look at these, these statements about God's sovereignty. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor nor sleep. When we think of God, I think sometimes we think when it relates to our anxiety, I think we think that he takes days off or he takes naps or, you know, he probably isn't thinking about me in this situation or whatever. And so I'm going to have to exert my sovereignty. I'm going to have to exert my control over this situation, which sends us into anxiety right? And we struggle with that instead of realizing God is sovereign and we can release our need to control things. We can release our need to be sovereign over any given news story or piece of information and trust. He's got this. He's got it. Verse five, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. It's an interesting statement there, but what the psalmist is saying is that he is so close to us. Imagine for someone else to create shade when you're walking alongside it. And they have to be close. They have to be close for you for a person's shadow to overcome any of your body. And it says right hand here. In the scriptures, all throughout the scriptures, the right side of anything is, tends to be the strongest. Tends to be the, you can even say the, maybe the most righteous in certain situations. So there's a point of him saying the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The most important thing. The most important thing to you God is there. He's right there with you. He gives you shadow. He, he gives you shade when it's, sun, when, it, when it's sunny, when it's hot. Verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And most commentators think he's not actually saying that the, like the sun and the moon actually do harmful things to us. What it is, is it's, it's, it's kind of temporal bookends. Like he's bookending all the time. From, from the beginning to the end of the day. However you start it, whether the moon is first and then the sun at the end. However it is... All day long, whether the moon's out or the sun's out, he is, he's keeping you. He's there. He's with you. He knows. He's powerful. He created everything. He's involved in creation. And he knows you. And he's involved in every aspect of your life. And this is why I'll say it again: like we weren't meant to take on the mantle of being sovereign over all of the issues in the world. And but our our bodies can't stop it when we get bad news or something's happening across the world, right? Like we can't, we have a hard time regulating ourselves and understanding that we can't do anything about that at the moment. And we'll talk about it at the end maybe some practical things we can do, but we have to realize that we can't get kind of spun up in anxiety about those things. So he's sovereign. The second thing we see in this passage clearly is this idea of he will keep us. Or he will watch over us. We see that over and over and over. And this word for keep um, in in the Hebrew in the original there is shamar. And it's this like strong word for preserve, for protect. And when we use the word keep in our language, sometimes we we, we use it um, pretty generically for a lot of different things. Like we're going to keep, like yeah, I'm going to keep that t-shirt. I'm not going to throw it out. Or I'm going to keep these receipts, right? This is not what it's talking about here, right? It's not like keeping a t-shirt. It's not with the same like, aggression and intensity that you would keep those things. Like You keep a treasure. You keep your children safe. You protect them. This is like, like mama bear type protection and watching over. That's the language that the psalmist uses. So he's there. He's so close to you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you, he, here there it is, he who keeps you will not slumber. Like, he, 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 your foot will stay on the right path. He's not going to let you fall off a cliff, right? This was the, the psalm of ascent. They were walking up to the temple, right? Their pathways, their walkways were probably not as, as, as paved and nice and smooth as ours. So there's some physical, in-the-moment, like, protection that God's providing for them. And they remember that. He's not going to let our foot be moved. Behold, he who keeps Israel, his people, will not slumber or sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. There it is again. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In verse 8 there, when you go out at the beginning of the day, when you come in, through the mundane things of your life, not just the, the, the big things, but through every little thing, going out and coming in, going to this place and that place. Every single minute detail, he's keeping you. He's watching you over you. He's protecting you. And that last time, from this time forth and forevermore, for all eternity, for his people, he will keep them for all eternity. So when you put these two things together, right? you have the sovereign, providential, all-powerful creator God who is your bodyguard, who's watching over you. He's with you, so close to you that his, he casts a shadow upon you, the psalmist tells us. And those two things held in tension together are powerful for overcoming anxiety, especially if it relates to uncertainty in the future and current events and too much information and all of the things that we struggle with in the digital age as it re- relates to technology, and information. But here's the question. Why is it so hard for us in the moment... When we see those things, or when we read those things, or we see images for us not to go down into that cycle. Like to not have the identity of one as, I need to fix this. I, I am the person, the kind of person who fixes the world's problems, right? That's silly to say out loud, but that's really what we're saying who we are in that moment. How can we let go and like live out the identity that God has given us? So what happens inside of us? Like what, what are we trying to protect when we get kind of spun up, spun up with anxiety in these moments. Right? And I think there's two things. I think it's safety, or security, safety, and comfort, or a way of life. Right? Those things become threatened when we hear bad news, or we don't know which way to go, or we don't know which way to react. So let's focus on those things, right? Our security and safety, and um, our way of life, or our comforts. And again, These aren't bad things. These are, these are needs that God, God has hardwired into us at creation. It's okay to need and want those things. It's where we're looking to find those things is what is, is dangerous or, or brings us joy in those ways. Okay, so let's take those things and apply the, go- apply the gospel to them, right? Look at Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Verse 13. In him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. That is how you become a Christian. That is how you become into his family. And we fight to continue to believe as as we go through life after that. But when that happened, he says at the end of verse 13, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Think of a seal, right? It's like the, the thing I think of first is like an envelope, right? You, you kind of put the seal on that envelope, and to break that seal, there's going to be some kind of damage to the envelope. Like it's meant to be kind of permanent for that specific envelope. Same idea here. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when we believed. It's like that strong language. We're kept. Same idea as the psalmist is pointing us to. Verse 14, who, Jesus, right, is the guarantee. Of our inheritance. It's like the down payment for we don't have our inheritance fully yet, but Jesus and his work in our life and the spirit living inside of us is saying it's coming. You taste a little bit of it now, but it's coming in fullness when Jesus comes back to set up his new heavens and new earth, right? So we take comfort in that. And he says until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Right? That's the gospel, right? That, that brings comfort. When we're trying to solve the world's problems. Let's keep going. John 10, 27 and 28. Listen to the security. The fact that we're kept by the sovereign God in this passage. My sheep, Jesus says, my sheep. We're the sheep here. My sheep hear my voice. Those who are his, those who have professed faith in him. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So they hear my voice when I call them. I know them. That word for know is intimate knowledge. Like I know them. They're my sheep. Like a shepherd knows his sheep, and they follow me. What do I give them? I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Spiritually, our souls, the deepest parts of who we are, the thing that remains after we physically die, right? Those things will never die. They will be with him forever, in all eternity. He says, And no one will snatch them out of his hand. There's that language of a thief coming to steal a sheep. It's the watchman. It's the mama bear. There's nothing that is going to separate my people from me, period. Nothing. And we need that in that moment when we're spiraling out of control with what's going to happen. How's my safety being threatened? How's my comforts in the future being threatened by this news or whatever? And how do we, how do we know this? Romans 8, 16. This is what Paul says. The Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit himself... When we become believers, he lives inside of us, he, he lives inside of us, and himself bears witness with our spirit, the deep things inside of us, right, bears witness that we are children of God. It's like this, the spirit's job is to be a comforter, we see that, by telling us you're loved, you're seen, you're known, you're kept, you're, you're free, you have peace, you have a father who's powerful, You don't have to look to that. You don't have to align yourself with that. You don't have to unite yourself with something else. You're united to me. Those are the things the Spirit whispers to us, tells us, but oftentimes we don't hear them because we're frazzled and we're busy and we have trouble sitting in silence and solitude and listening for the voice of the Spirit telling us the things the gospel gives us. So one of the things we're going to talk about here in a second is, is how to listen well to the Spirit when we're starting to get wound up in our anxiety. We hear so many other voices in that moment of, what are you going to do? What's going to happen? Right? Oh, no, there's a war going on in Ukraine. I'm, the, I'm hearing the word nuclear. Right? Oh, that means that that's, that's it. Right? Right? And those things are real. They can bring real fear because, again, our safety is being threatened. I oh, know this person's going to, if this person gets elected, my way of life is going to be taken away from me. Like, like really? Like you're going to, you're going to like buy into that wholeheartedly where you begin to be shaped and molded by a particular leader. Like, no, go back to this. What's the spirit telling you about whose you are and who has you in the palm of his hand? And Jesus, God showed us that he was sovereign over our sin, over Satan and over death. And he keeps us Because we're united to him by the spirit. And the spirit in an ongoing way makes that a reality to us. This is why we have quiet times. This is why we say, read the word, be encouraged by the word. We sing songs, we pray, because we need the spirit to continue to encourage us, to to make us believe all the things that we have in the gospel. Because it is so hard for us to believe. And here's the deal, if we believe that, we don't have to seek freedom and joy in things in, in the world, right? We can't, we don't have to try to control everything that happens in the world or feel like we're losing control if we can't do something about the things that happen or to, to find just the right information to be fully informed, right? Like, I don't want to make this decision until I have the correct, right information, the perfect information from the perfect source with the perfect research. It doesn't exist, right? There's, there's some faith and some wisdom there and some trust. We don't have to stake our lives on that if we're staking it on something else, or maybe you have just shut off the news for the last five years because you're terrified of what it's going to do to you. What if you had the freedom to actually f- learn about what's happening in the world? Learn about the big things that are going into the world. Learn about elections and, and how, you could, how, how your vote counts and whatever, right? Like we want to have the freedom to be able without anxiety to be those kinds of people. I want to say one other thing to people who don't know Jesus in the room, who uh, maybe your first time in church in a while um, one image I got in this is, um, in, this, in this world we live in that's so easy to get spun up with anxiety, like, I, I imagine it's like a small boat, and in normal times that boat's fine, but when you're out in the middle of the ocean, and there's a raging storm all around you, what are you looking to for a foundation? Like, what are you looking to beyond this world, beyond this messed up world that we can't We don't know fact from fiction right what do you look to in those moments for a foundation what do you look to for security what do you look to for hope right and to use that same imagery i think we 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 get this as god in the middle of that water if we look to him like he's he's like a the strongest military ship in the middle of that ocean he's goddess when everything around us feels like it's it's going crazy like 2020 was talked about earlier He's got you, and we can believe that, and we can trust that. So what do we do? What are some practical things? Um, I want to help us with that. Is like Every time in the series, we've tried to make things really practical so you can take things home and practice and, and again, train and, and be ready. Because, again, probably this week, if you pay attention to the news, there's going to be something that you're going to get a chance to practice this on. Like you're going to get a chance to pay attention to yourself, would you start getting worked up about something you read or hear, right? How do we, how do we allow God's sovereignty and, his, and his, the, the security he gives us by keeping us? How do we allow that to give us a foundation and not be fractured and approach news without being t- kind of pulled apart on the inside, but with some stability and some grounding? How do we do that? Well, I think number one, we have to, we have to consume our news and information differently. It's like Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world by, um, by doing things a little differently, right? Don't be conformed to the way that the world wants us to consume news. Don't be victims of just clickbait all day on going down the cycle of whether you think this is true or not. Have some wisdom. So number one, don't be reactive. And You can take a picture of this or screenshot. Um, and, and again, I hate giving you four things. I wish I could just give you one, but some of these may be resonate with different, different uh, people. Don't be reactive. Like one thing that we know with like, like the, the clicking and the going after and the Googling and trying to figure things out, it's like all reactive. Like you feel it, and boom, you're reacting. You're reading that article and that article. You're just reacting to things. Be proactive and pay attention to what's happening. Like actually say, why am I clicking on that? What does this thing want us, me to do or feel as a result of clicking on that thing, right, or consuming that? right? Don't be reactive. Be proactive. Two, read news. This, read news, don't listen to it or, or for sure don't watch it, right? right? There's study after study after study show that the best way to stay objective and not overreact to things is by reading the news. Like, obviously, the more um, senses you use, the more it's going to have a chance to ramp up your anxiety. That's why watching the news that's not even good sometimes, is the worst. It's the worst thing. And it's like, good luck if you just sit in front of the TV and consume that. Like I, I, I can't do it, right? I can't watch the like cable news on TV. I just can't do it because of what it does inside of me. And so I, I've tried to be better at maybe listening a little bit, but mostly reading. There's people that have told me about things like the pour over. Um, I haven't like done that and I don't read that a lot, but it's like a I think it's from a Christian perspective, but it's just news. It's like the, the highlights of what's happening in the world. It's not overwhelming. It's what you need to know. It's not opinion-based. At, they're, at least they're trying hard not to be opinion-based. I don't know if that's possible, but it's, it's, it's not a clickbait thing, right? So find, so find news that it's just the news without opinions. Um, three, um, do your own work, right? Do your own work and under, know your Bibles. Right? Know, your, know how your Bibles apply to the issues of the world, like the, 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 the main issues. Or maybe there's an issue that you really find yourself like super passionate about. Like, do, do a biblical study of that. Know what the Bible says on that so you can filter it through as you consume news through that lens, through those principles. Right? Don't let other people interpret the truth for you. Don't let other people say, this is what's true, this is what's not true. Don't just kind of take it whole, wholesale and, and believe that. Study for yourself. And the last one, um, out of here, start close and work out. Uh, here, it's just basically don't be outraged about something that's happening on the other side of the world if you're not willing to do the work in your own backyard for that issue. That's right. Like, start with yourself and go local and then move out. Right? Um, think about things you can do in your own backyard. I guarantee you, you're going to feel better about doing something that you can actually potentially see tangible results in your own community than getting worked up and trying to fix problems halfway around the world. Doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for those things, doesn't mean we shouldn't care about them, but when we actually start getting anxious about those things, wanting to do something, try to find things in your own backyard. Like if you, you'll have less, ti- less time to be anxious and mad about um, a refugee crisis in another part of the world. If, if you, you have less time to worry about that, if you said, well, who are, who are the displaced in my community? Who are the refugees that have come to my community? Who are the people who need to be shown extra measures of hospitality in my own backyard? And do the, do the sweat, do the work there with your hands and your feet instead of getting wrapped up on the, on the internet or with the news all over and really not being able to do anything. So, In God's sovereignty and His providence He's placed you where you are at this time and at this place in history. So start with yourself and look at your local community. Maybe you need to Look at a local office, elect, you know, run for a local um, uh, election right, right? An office in your own um, uh, local government, right? Like do things like that. Join clubs, like be on boards to do stuff like that. So they give you some, some direction for anxious energy. I know it does for me, rather than trying to solve these massive problems by firing off stuff on Facebook and Twitter, right? That's really not going to do anything productive for the larger cause, right? Um, for most of us. Here's the deal. One thing I was thinking about this week, and, I, this week, and I'm, I'm convinced of this, is when we talk about being witnesses, we talk about being missionaries and ambassadors for Jesus. I think this area, by, by treating news and information differently, I think we can really stand out in a really attractive, winsome way by being measured and thinking about how, do I, how am I treating others how is, how is love guiding my, my view of the news and how I treat one another? I think we can actually have this posture where people will be attractive to how we do things. And then we can give people a reason for why we do that. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a messed up sinner that's been saved by grace, right? This is why I can be measured. I'm, I'm kept by the creator God. He watches over me. He's got my future. I don't have to get worked up by things that I don't know how they're going to turn out because I'm a finite human being. But I trust him and I'm grounded in him. And that is attractive in a world we live in today where everything is so scattered and polarized and fragmented. Let's pray. Father, we're always thankful for your word, and I'm thankful that um, these massive theological ideas like sovereignty and providence and security and assurance, that we see these from Genesis to Revelation. It's so clear in your word that when we put our faith in your son, that we believe the gospel and we're welcomed into your family. We have all of these benefits. And these benefits are useful. They're tools. They're resources that we have to live in this um, really complex, oversaturated world. So help us. I pray that your spirit, those of us who are followers of Jesus in this room, I pray that you would help us listen to your spirit. That we would Find times to be still and allow your spirit to communicate the truth to us, that we're loved and we're kept and our future's secure and that we're sheep of the strongest shepherd that's ever lived and there's no wolf or thief that can snatch us out of his hands. So we don't have to um, be controlled by anxiety of current events like people who don't know Jesus do. So help us. Help us walk in that way, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As we take communion, we remember that Jesus took bread before he would go to the cross when he was with his disciples for one of those.